Welcome to the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael and Lauren Falk. We are physical therapists, athletic trainers, and strength and conditioning coaches at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. We will be talking all things related to athletic performance for Milwaukee area athletes. Sports medicine, performance training, sports nutrition, recovery, and sports coaching. There's a lot of misinformation and myths surrounding athletic performance and injuries. This podcast is designed to bring current, factual, and evidence-based information to Milwaukee area athletes. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Falk of Kinetic Sports Medicine, and today I'm joined by Stan Anderson. He is the founder of Camp Shutout, the largest goalkeeping camp in the country, if not the world. I know this for a fact because I was fortunate enough to become the first sports medicine staff member and grew our program over the years. I think we started with maybe 40 or 50 kids, and now we're up to, what, 300 plus? Correct me if I'm wrong? That's correct. Which is pretty incredible. So more to come later on that. Little background on Stan, he's played on many level he's played soccer on many levels as a goalkeeper ranging from college at Parkside up through professional. He has coached at all levels, starting with many uh, multiple Division I men's soccer programs. He also has coached at the academy level, the professional level, and currently he coaches at the University of Illinois Chicago as the goalkeeping coach, and he's also the goalkeeping director at FC United in the Illinois area. Yeah. I've known Stan for almost 18 years, and if there's one thing that I know about Stan, it's that he actually doesn't like to talk about himself that much and what he's accomplished and what he does, but more so that he wants to tell you about all the accomplishments of those around him and those that he has coached. So for all intents and purposes, I'm going to force Stan to at least tell us a little bit about himself, a little bit about his background, and what got him to where he is today. 18 years? You're only 18... Yeah, I know. Years old. I know. I'm 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 pretty mature for my age. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, background. Um, Okay, so we met at UWM. So before UWM, I was um, playing high school in Palatine, Illinois. Mm -hmm. At the latter stage, my senior year is when I kind of got into coaching, and then from there, I um, went into high school coaching in 1993. And in 1993 through 95, I coached at Fremd High School, which is kind of the, well, it is the rival of Palatine High School, where I went to high school. That was interesting. And then um, from there, I was fortunate. I was able to join up at UWM and uh, coach for 10 years there and five good seasons to the NCAA tournament. Met you there. (laughs) Working summer camps. Exactly. And then uh, moved along. Moved along to Marquette in 06. Mm -hmm. Um, Was very fortunate to have you come along and join us there. As your athletic trainer for men's soccer. Absolutely. And uh, did a a, a phenomenal job. I was going to say a different word, but you did a phenomenal (laughs) job. Thanks. Um, As you always do. And then um, in 12, the 12 season, I... Moved over to Loyola, uh, spent a good year there with Brendan Knights, and then moved on to three seasons. Unfortunately, Brendan lost his job, and so um, became a finalist for that position, but didn't get it. Moved on to Madison, spent three years at Madison, and then moved on to UIC when the fire became a little bit more Mm full-time. 
So I had to be down in Chicago more anyway. And so UIC for the last, uh, this was three years this past season. And so that's kind of the long and short of it, but I've been really coaching since perhaps the, the, the mid, to, mid to late 80s. It's kept me busy. What made you want to get into coaching? I think it was dad. Um, dad was an AD. Mm -hmm. We lost him in 2013. But um, I would say him being an AD because I always was at the gym. So if he could open the, the gym, I would be there. Yeah. And so it was baseball, basketball, football, soccer. Um, not football in high school, but youth. And uh, that's probably what just kept me around athletics all the time. I was the youngest of seven, youngest boy of five boys of the seven. So never a dull moment? Never a dull moment. My brother Gordy uh, was the athlete in the family, and I looked up to him. Um, and then where soccer came into play, I wish I could pinpoint that. I know why I did. I broke a kid's leg in playing American football and I was just going to take a year off and yeah. play soccer. And I walked on the field and went, I don't, this running stuff. It's, uh, <laughs> Not it's for, me. for me. So I asked the coach halfway through, Coach Moeller, I said, can I do what that guy's doing? And he said, sure. And halfway through the first practice, that was... You became the next goalkeeper. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was the goalkeeper. So that was... Uh, that was the start of of it, I guess. Yeah. No, I hear you. And you know, there's one thing I know about you. A, you never stay in one place at one period of time. You pretty much have multiple things going on at all times. Yes. So not only have you coached, but you've also been doing things like running your camps and stuff like that. Like you're always doing multiple things at once. Or like yes. you're just saying, coaching at the fire while coaching on the collegiate level. You know, you're always... <laughs> What is the st the term for like the Rolling Stone yes, no grows no, no moss? Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's I think your story. Exactly. But so now tell us a little bit about Camp Shout because this has always been running while you've been doing all this coaching too, which has to be a lot when you're trying to strike a balance. But talk to us about when Camp Shoutout started, how that started, what made you get into that, and then kind of Absolutely. following its growth. Um, you know, it started in '89, which people don't really realize, but it was my senior year of college where I redshirted my senior year instead of my freshman year. And so during that redshirt year, I had linked up with a, a small other program in Milwaukee. And within that program, we started a goalkeeper program. And there were, what we drew were three goalkeepers, <laughs> literally three and an actor. And the actor was Keenan Michaels' nephew. And um, <laughs> so he could pair up and we could have four and I could coach. And so... Our first year, that's what we had, was three and an actor. And uh, from there, it grew and it grew and it grew slowly until it got to 30 kids. Mm -hmm. Once we had 30, the program I was with was was uh, drawing more so the 12, 13, and 14-year-old. But we were starting to draw 30 goalkeepers, but those 30 goalkeepers were 15, 16, 17, and even 18-year-olds. So the matchup of evening sessions and stuff was getting a little bit more advanced on our side and not so advanced on their side. So we needed more for them. And we started a uh, advanced sessions group and literally that was 24 kids the first year. So 30 plus 24, that next year it was 48, 30 plus 48. And then we really just broke off and did our own thing. And you've been with us, you know, how long it's, 
since that second advanced session. Yeah. So if you think about it, you know, where we are now and where we were then, we've had, we've grown three times the size um, <laughs> in the sense that from that advanced group alone, we've grown six times that size. But if you were to add the two together, um, now we're at a situation where the biggest we've had is 324 kids. And um, many of them come from all over the world, whether it be the Arab Emirates or uh, the UAE, which is the Arab Emirates, Qatar, um, Mexico, Canada. Uh, we've had England. We've had Scotland, uh, Alaska multiple times, um, 28 different states, including Alaska. Uh, so it's it's just been word of mouth and grown, you know, and look, I'm, I'm blessed to be around some phenomenal people. You're included. <laughs> Thank in you. That, uh, among many, 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 many others of friends of yours that you know that have all been there, and they're great. The Dougie Cardozis and Clarks and Weibergs and Jamesons, and I could go on and on and on, Zimka, et cetera, Caitlin Kelly, blah, blah, blah. You have an army of fantastic coaches, there's no doubt, and I think anyone that's ever been at camp would say that as well. I think they, they have a good blend of, you know, they're they're accomplished in their own field, for sure, they coach well, but they're also just simply great personalities that people are drawn to, and that is arguably, for some people, enough. You can be a, a master tactician, and no one wants to learn from you because you can't deliver a message. So these guys can deliver a message. Absolutely. So if you were to, like, summarize the mission of Camp Shutout... What would you say that Boy, that is? It's an honestly, that's an awesome question. I mean that um, because I've I've never really thought of what the mission is other than this. We're not an ID event, and so that's a different mission. Mm-hmm. When you come to us, or you choose to come to us, what I guess our what I would like our mission to be, and and I have passed this along when I talk to the kids that do register or inquire about registering is. I want you to come to us simply and solely to improve your game. There isn't enough goalkeeper coaching anywhere in the world, let alone our country. So when you come to us, generally, often, your eyes are going to be opened because you're not getting it enough elsewhere. So for our mission would be you come to us and you're going to hopefully, our plan is you leave a better goalkeeper than when you arrive. I completely agree, and from having been on the sports medicine side and standing back and watching all these sessions take place, you see the structure, the tactics that we're learning, the technique that you're learning. You're really giving a solid foundation to these athletes when they come there, and you watch it grow and grow and grow each year, too. It's pretty impressive to watch, you know, standing back as I get to see these kids develop over the years. But when you you say that, though, and you think about it, you're – when your role came in, we changed a lot of what we did. I mean, you picture going to a camp and you picture having an athletic trainer over there at a tent, and if you have an injury, you go see her, that's it. You, we evolved and grew, added staff, became the leader in what we provided to the kids prior to training. Mm-hmm. So they didn't show up and just head to their groups and just start training. We had a massive group warm-up that pro goalkeepers use today that have gone through the program. And that is 100% credit to you. 
Thank you. Um, including <clears throat> my own son, who still does the same, and so many, so many others that are, you know, listen to this. But at the end of the day, we've evolved in that what is really now a sports medicine department at camp due to you. Credit given. Well, and I appreciate that you as a coach put value in that. Not everyone understands it, probably almost until the emergency is present. Oh, yeah. But that you have really shown the value of investing in good care because I think that that shows what you do, like investing in good coaches, just the same yeah. that, you know, you saw the whole picture of what Camp Shoutout needs to be and you gave us each the empowerment to be able to do that within our own areas of the camp. You know, I think I would say one last thing, just stepping back, looking at camp, and I'd say you 100% attest this, but I get the chance to really step back and see it, is um, the sense of community that occurs there too, you know. I would agree. You know, Davian's a huge reason for that um, because he makes things go smooth. Mm. Everyone there, the personalities, some of the ones that I mentioned before, help that happen as well. You know, Joe Zimka works from 6 a.m. till 12 or 1 in the morning. Yeah. And he's making t-shirts for everybody, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, just part of that and Taylor Trotter and, you know, I know I mentioned so many people's names, but they all play big, big roles that people come and they, they feel, you know, they're coming to the, to us alone. They're not coming with a team. And that's a, a huge difference than mm -hmm. going to this or that or this or that camp. You're, you're coming to us alone. So you're driving in the parking lot getting out of a car and you're being left alone. And so with us, you, you we've often said you um, you play a lonely position, but you're never alone. Yep. At the end of the day, um, I think it's a uh, it's a it's a, a rare type of event that ha just has great people that pull that together. Yeah. So. And I think just the campers like they get to know each other. They make friends for life. They meet people that understand them and their unique interests and training needs. And you exactly. see those lifelong bonds exactly. start there. And I think that's also what makes it very unique. Yep. So kind of moving forward from whether it's kids that you've had at um, camp or kids that you have trained and coached, this is your chance to kind of brag a little bit of who are some of the, I will say everyone is accomplished that works with you because they grow as a goalkeeper and as an athlete, but who are some of the more accomplished people that you've had the opportunity to work with and where are they currently at or where did they go? Yeah. That, hey, that's nice of you. I, I, I appreciate that. I mean, all I, all I want to do is just simply kind of mesh it all together in the sense of work with good people, hopefully attract good people. Everybody has a good time. Everybody gets better. Off we go. Um, if we can serve as some sort of a platform for, for people, I'd, I'd, that's fantastic. But, you know, there's so many pros out there today. I know I'd miss them, but, you know, Kyle Lyon, Matt Bersano, uh, Charlie Lyon, um, Aaron Kane back in the day, uh, Mike Novotny, Eric Dick, uh, Logan Ketterer. Um, so these are people that have played on the MLS stage, international yeah. stage. What kind of stages have these people risen to? Few of those, most of those, and those are camp shutout guys. I mentioned. There's then some PDL guys that we have. You know, the Tyler Millers of the world, and and others that have gone on and, and done well. But the earlier ones I mentioned were guys that attended our camp, mm -hmm. and then they have gone on to a pro career, yeah. and that pro career can be in the USL, where many of them are now, mm -hmm. 
in MLS where many of them are now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Logan had a uh, a season or two with the Columbus Crew. He's now with El Paso. Bersano's with San Jose. Um, and you know, there's Andrew Putna who's with us uh, in UIC grad as well, and he's uh, out in um, Real Salt Lake. So. You know, those those are high profile ones. Erin Kane getting married this April is, uh, you know, she was uh, with Hope Solo at St. Louis. Yeah. And, you know, I believed in her from day, day one. one. Yeah. You know, her and Caitlin Kelly just battled and battled hard. And, um, you know, I hold both of them in, in such, such, such high regard. But they, they all, I'm, I'm just, I'm proud of them because of, Yes, what they've done. That's huge. That's great. You know, everybody would love to say that they've worked with players that have competed at a at a pro level. The reality is I'm I'm happy for them as as individuals yep. and what they're and what they're doing. You know, the clowns out there like Eric Dick, that that guy's a, a goofball. Uh, he played at Butler and he's now um I don't know where he is in the USL side. I, I apologize for that, but he's now on the USL side. He was with Sporting K C and so he's with their affiliate and he's uh doing a fantastic job but he's you know just the oddest personality that there is mm-hmm. among some of those others um you and i know charlie lyon real well and as you as everybody knows in goalkeeping it's a it can be a long journey and so you know charlie's had a few clubs and trying to lock down where where he's going to be yeah you know? absolutely so but those guys and again i apologize for a bunch that i missed but you know those are those are ones that i uh i've, I've enjoyed working with that have gone on to do some pretty damn good things I think, and also aside from the higher level pro and stuff like that, the countless number of people from the camp shutout, you know, crew that have gone on to college, all levels of college ball and played. But also I think the other side of that is the number of people that have either trained or coached at camp shutout that are now coaches. Oh, man. And how many have really honed that love of coaching. And that's probably too many to count. But, you know, I think that it speaks to a lot about what people pick up from that setting and where how they grow and where they go with it. And, you know, we kind of, they've touched all aspects of that sport on many levels, oh. which I think is really cool. So many. John Clark in particular, you know, we've grown in Michigan. and He had Mirza Rambashic, and uh, Mirza is out with Real Salt Lake, Real Monarchs, as their GK guy, Real Monarchs. And so he's a kid that was with that program, our program in Michigan, and here he is, you know, it was eight years ago, maybe, that we sat in a gym floor and he said, this is what he wants to do. And then about four years ago, he connected with me again. We've stayed in touch all that time, but said, you know, this next step, this is what I want to do. I want to be a pro goalkeeper coach. I don't want to be a college goalkeeper coach anymore. And here he is today. Now he's, you know, a step away from being perhaps an MLS GK guy. And, um, you know, it's guys like that out of the various programs that, you know, Tom Serratore, you could just go on and on and on that these guys have really made differences in, you know, their programs, their clubs, their academies, wherever it may be. I'm, I'm grateful to be around them. Absolutely. So kind of taking a step back, you know, you'd kind of already hinted at this a little bit, but, you know, Goalkeeping is a challenging position. Like you said, it can kind of be a lonely position, and it sounds like it's almost – still an undercoached position at times, you know, but it sounds like 
it's a position that has changed drastically. It's a position that has evolved over the years from when you started to now, whether it's from player selection, who actually ends up being in goal now, to nevertheless what's going on around it. So maybe you can speak to the evolution of the goalkeeper a little bit. Boy, just in my window, you know, you you talk about guys like Dr. Joe Moshnick, Dan Gaspar, Tony DeChico, rest in peace, Tony. Um, These guys are are kind of on my um, Mount Rushmore of goalkeeper coaches. Eric Vauder, legend in the game. They've been around longer than I, but I took from Joe Moshnick. And so I went to doctor's camp one year and then taught at it one year. Mm-hmm. From then to now, if you look at what has happened, and Dr. Joe Moshnick is actually kind of the, the laws of the game guy with Fox and, and with U.S. soccer, et cetera, and being a fantastic resource for the rules of the game. We used to be able to play the ball out with our feet. I could kick it to you. You could pass it back to me with your feet. I could pick it up. I could do it again. I could do it again. I could do it again. I could kill 90 minutes of a game. The bit That's one of the biggest shifts in the game is no longer is that the case. If I play you the ball, and not only do you not even have to be out of the box anymore, but once I play it to you, which right outside the six or the goalkeeper box itself, now you can play the game and you can't pass it back to me. You can't even lift it and head it back to me because that's illegal. The only way I can get it back is off of someone's run of play, chest or thigh or head or something. That's mm-hmm. the only way I can pick it back up again. So I have basically become, or the goalkeeper has basically become, a field player that happens to wear gloves. Mm-hmm. And that evolution is huge because you used to be a shot stopper and now you're a goalkeeper. And that's just a, a massive difference. Is there a prototypical goalkeeper today compared to yesterday? I'd say, yeah. And for just the sake of being blunt, it was put the put the fat kid in goal. And that's what it was. Um, or the kid who didn't want to run. Or the kid who didn't <laughs> want to I was the fat kid. <laughs> so, uh, I didn't say that. I just said you didn't want to run. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but you're 100% right. And... Um, People chose the position for the, for those reasons. Mm-hmm. They chose to be a goalkeeper because they didn't want to run. There's kids I coach today that are quite good at the craft, but they <clears throat> they didn't and don't want to run. So it was part of it. Nowadays, though, the reality is is you play a much higher line. Your range extension is so much different than it was before. You're involved in the play as an 11th player, not a 10 plus 1, and, oh, that person's back there. You're now an 11th player. You're a first line of attack. You can help squeeze tactically the opponent into their half of the field by staying high and not just in your box. So it has evolved considerably. Um, you know, in, in other ways, you can say that technology has improved, for, certainly for footballers, but for a goalkeeper themselves, you know, gloves have become better than mm-hmm. they were when I started, which there were barely gloves. So you look at that uh, evolution. Now there's a brand at every corner and, on and on and on, the reality is that you can find a good pair of gloves at a great price that are going to do the job for you at a professional level. And that just wasn't available to people before. Yeah. So it's uh, it's evolved physically, you know, you, at the at the elite levels in the Premier League and MLS and Bundesliga, La Liga, Liga MX, you know, they're going to want, desire, look for a, a 6'3 type of, type of guy a 6'1 girl. 
and uh, explosive. Yeah, very, very, strong. very explosive. Absolutely. You know the plyometric work that should could help with that. Things I saw this week that people doing plyometrics landing in a in a in an off shape, mm-hmm. which I thought was wow. I'd never I'd never seen that before, but. At least what I was told was the ability to do that is important because you don't always land in a... It's unpredictable. Yeah. Yep, not every landing is perfect. Yeah. So in, in goalkeeping, you know, it's it's different when you get to the weight room because you're doing everything from almost a, what we call and you're familiar with, is a gorilla position where you're just standing on two feet and then prepared to move from there. Mm-hmm. But you've always got to be set and balanced. You know, it's not basketball where you have a pivot foot and all this type of stuff. So... It's different in, in how you need to be prepared to move. It is undercoached. It is underserved. It's it's probably underpaid. I think it's underpaid for the guys I know that are playing the game. And, um, you know, there's it, under is a word I use for the position often because you can look at every phase of it and it's probably underserved overall. So it's, it's growing. It has a hell of a lot of room to grow um, to become a, a better covered position for clubs for pro teams you name it where people are gonna be on every road trip and you know with the team all the time as mm-hmm. opposed to once in a while yeah makes sense absolutely so um talk with me a second about this concept of viewing yourself as the 11th man on the field yeah you know whether it's that you're talking to a coach and how they need to view that or even the player, because oftentimes how much does a goalkeeper just kind of, especially in the younger era or younger ages, they think, oh, well, I'm here and the field's out there. You know, talk about that concept of and maybe help someone internalize that idea of what actually being the 11th man should be. 100%. It, it's, it's, it's hard to hammer home within any organization because let's say you have 10 teams in a club and every one of those coaches never played in goal. Mm-hmm. They're going to want, generally speaking, their goalkeeper to stay in their box. Mm-hmm. Stay back there and just keep the ball out of the net. And it is our number one job. Modern day, today, mostly, most commonly thought of, is to be higher and be connected to your team. So probably another big difference for your, from your previous question would be in the 80s, early 90s, for me, I was spending maybe an inordinate amount of time or maybe a proper amount of time. I don't know. The beauty of 2020 looking back. Today, I probably spend 90% of our time with the ball at the boot. And very little are we hammering them into the ground. Things I learned from you, things I learned from other people, especially when when injuries do occur, is I, I don't want to anymore certainly with the college guys and the elite level performers, really anybody, but certainly ones that are already a little bit further advanced. I don't want to bury them into the ground anymore. Mm. I don't want to burst your sack on the elbow. I don't want to do anything to their hips. I don't want to labor them. To, I don't want any of that stuff. So we manage it better with what they're probably going to be doing more anyway, which is ball at their boot. So if you can get your goalkeeper into just team training, like any other person on the team, and allow them to maybe not be as good because that's not their specialty. But if you allow it, that player is going to develop and become proficient 
with their ball at their boot. Mm-hmm. By being that person, you can now play through them out of the back. So instead of having 10 players, you now have somebody that you can actually play. Yeah. Two central defenders can turn and play them. The six can turn and play them. And then you can break lines, allow that player to make passes out of the back and not just kick it long. Yeah. So now they're actually, you know, you can turn a 120-yard field into potentially an 80-yard field. And by doing it, the field. Yeah. And yeah. now you can pin them in more so. You run the risk of being chipped and all these type of things. But especially at the youth level, if you can live with that, forgive those mistakes, et cetera, I think you're preparing somebody for success later on. Mm-hmm. So following that theme of the 11th man, and I know this from having watched you coach, but why don't you talk about the mental and maybe communication aspects of being the 11th man, of that the role that the goalkeeper can take on on that field? That is it's so – I spent Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, today's Friday, March 6th. Is that today? Yes. I think so. So we're recording on <laughs> Friday, March 6th. I've spent Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week meeting with 8, 16, 24, 24 to 28 goalkeepers. And one of the questions was, is the position harder on you physically or mentally? Most all of them have said mentally for so, so, so many different reasons. Run of play, what people think of you, what you think of yourself when you make a mistake. Am I going to play? Am I not going to play? All that type of stuff. But mentally it's 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 harder on the goalkeeper because they their mistakes cannot be they're over glorified mm-hmm. so it's probably the un, the one area where I would avoid under you make one mistake in the back and all hell breaks loose and now you've conceded a goal and you're in you're in trouble now so the mental side of the game is is Ten times harder for a goalkeeper than it is for a, for a midfielder. You are working on the sense of your your verbal commands, as you'd mentioned, have to be strong, precise. You're not asking; you're demanding and telling. Even if you're wrong, you got to believe that you're right. Look how Tim Howard played for years. It's a it's just a it's a boss mentality in the back. And you're not doing it for any ego. You're doing it to be efficient and not allow opportunities and solve them before they happen. You're steering the ship. Yeah. Thus, goalkeeper instead of shot stopper. And when you're a goalkeeper in that regard and you stay connected, you have that boss mentality, you change your inflection, these type of things in the back, now you are you're connected to your team. Mm-hmm. So you have a different kit. You are wearing gloves. You may be a different shape than everybody else. You may be a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, person in goal, and you've got Messi at 5'7", five, 5'6", five, the maestro in the middle of the park. So you may not look the same and everything else, but the reality is, is you can be then that 11th player. Yeah. That's where Manuel Neuer, there were plenty before him as well, Campos in particular, and uh, Higuita, that all stepped out of their box to play the game as a goalkeeper. But Manuel Neuer at least in today's football, has been the one where people are like, damn, that guy, you know, he's, look where he is, look how far out he goes, look at his touch, he brings the ball down from 60 yards and drops it on a dime in front of him to be able to play a second ball type of stuff, so. Yeah, and I think much to that point, you know, as you're training, it's not just looking at how am I training as a goalkeeper, but it's, you know, 
watching your team, knowing your players' strengths that are out in front of you, how you want to play to them, how you want them to move the ball around the field, to know expectations of how your team is supposed to play. Are they going to play yeah. it long? Are they going to play it over the top? Are they going to squeeze the field? Like, what is the overall goal? Because you're also kind of the director in the back, like you were saying, you're steering the ship. And so I think that, you know, also mentally engaging in your practice differently that way, like when yes. you're in a training situation of not only am I here to be in front of the goal, but I'm also here to learn and watch what's happening on the field 24-7 and take that in. Yeah. You know, it's just a more mature thought process as the person who's going to train. And again, yeah, do you get the glory when you have an amazing save? Yeah. But you also take a lot of flack too. So you have a lot of extra work that's done way behind the scenes and in their minds in everyday practice that's really happening that nobody really sees. It's all that iceberg of what's happening below the surface versus what is seen. And I think that's probably a great way to summarize people who have really honed their craft in that position. John Bush, 21 years. 21 years a pro. Didn't start in MLS because I don't think the league had started. But 21 years a pro. And uh, this guy's 5'8", 5'9", maybe 5'10". And spent I don't know how many years as an MLS goalkeeper. And when I coached John at the pro level, albeit for maybe a two-week stint in one game covering the New England, New England Revolution versus the Fire at Toyota Park. Uh, John played in that game. We won. He had a phenomenal game. But the reality is, is that John wanted to be the first person out on the field. He wanted to be the last person off the field. His work ethic is unmatched. And you generally find the most elite goalkeepers are that type of person. That's what sets them apart. Yeah. Yeah, they, you know, they, they know that they're going to be part of a session, but the reality is, if training's at ten for a pro, they'd love to be out there at nine fifteen, getting forty five minutes in of this or that, ball at boot, or let's get some volleys, or I need some shots, or I want to work on my near post coverage, whatever. Maybe I want to collect some serves. Then they'll get into training, and then they're going to spend another hour and a half. Patrick McLean, Patrick McLean attended camp as well. Long-time pro, MLS pro, USL pro. And that guy with the fire, when I spent the 16 season with the fire preseason, that's all Patrick did was work. I mean, if there were 25 hours in a day, Patrick would have used them. He was just a, a freak of nature from a, a workhorse mentality, you know. And you just generally find that of uh, of guys. And I don't even think I mentioned one of our favorites in Pizdrowski. and. Yeah. He, he was just released today on a, on a podcast, on a goalkeeper podcast, but he's writing for The Athletic, and uh, his his work rate was top shelf as well, you know, just different level and different mentality level as well from most of them. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So if you were to be approached by a high school or college kid, yeah, says that they really want to get to the next level what are like one or two big things that from your kind of 2020 view that you now have from all the hats that you wear and everything yeah. that you've experienced what are some of those key points that you want to tell that person to focus on to help them get to elevate themselves or get to that next level well let's use two different age ranges okay give me give me an give me an age so let's say high school trying to go d1 Okay, high school trying to go D one, and they're they're somewhat experienced in the position. Yeah, have been probably okay. playing since they were younger, so they're okay. So that person, I think, needs to be 
in and around, and I say in, in or around, as much elite level training as they can see. So let's say it's a junior. Yeah. That's, you know, people are interested at least in the, in the, in the player. And they're wondering what it takes. It There is nothing magic as, as you and I know. There's not a, a book or a site to read. Mm-hmm. For that person, they need to get themselves into, you know, where we are regionally right now, into a Milwaukee training atmosphere where some pros are getting together or some top collegians. Down in Chicago, we have perhaps a dozen pros that get together in the offseason. And they, I believe a player at that age needs to go see what type of work ethic those that have surpassed the college level and some of them that are in the college level, a mix of, of, of that, that uh, ability level. And just kind of, you know, they use the word smell, but kind of smell and taste what it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when a couple of years ago, we had Matt Lampson and Logan and Putna and Kyle Line and Josh Rohde and Dougie Cardozi was there with us and a bunch of others and you know a ton of other pros and it was it was it was great and it was fantastic skill level. Well, we took a, a girl Marissa Boba who wasn't even in in college yet. She's now in Purdue or at Purdue and um, took her down to Chicago to see what it was all about. She's the number one at Purdue right now and I think they they quite love her. But, you know, those are eye-opening moments that I think a kid that age, if they can really see that, you know, that's what John Bush does. That's what Matt Lampson does. Then they get a more of a sense than some coach telling them or them watching a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. They see it live. They realize that, all right, there's no, there's no screwing around. That's, that's the deal. That's yeah. the deal. So maybe a 12-year-old? Yeah, younger. Okay. The 12-year-old's probably discovering the position. And for me, I would say, you know, even if we were 11, 12, 13, yeah. I'd want that player that wants to be a goalkeeper. I would tell that, and we just, again, went through a ton of evals with the club. That person, I think, needs to spend as much time as they can on their team being a footballer. Mm-hmm. And then when it's time put the gloves on and play half a game or go to a tournament and play half of the tournament games in goal, but play the other half on the field. You're only going to better serve yourself come 14, 15, 16. And then obviously even past that, if you carry on, most kids are going to finish and 1.2% of the males will make it to division one of all footballers, not just goalkeepers. So the percentages aren't in your favor of going on from the high school level. But if you are playing at that level, great. But if you don't have, in today's game, if you don't have the skill to manage a, a ball played back to you, to control it and play out, break a line, start the attack, no one's really going to be knocking on your door. Yeah. So if you bypass that and you think, I just want to be a goalkeeper. It's short-sighted. Yeah, yeah. And there's enough coaches, sadly, that will be more than happy to just put you in goal. You have to be an advocate for yourself, just like in your modern day health going somewhere. Mm-hmm. As a as an advocate for yourself, as an athlete, you've got to say, oh, Coach, I, I want to play half of the game on the, or in training, whatever, I want to be on the field. Gain the experience. Yeah, because if you don't, you're, you're just going to get surpassed. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So what do you say to that kid that may not have the regular coaching support? What do you say to that kid who wants to learn, wants to grow? Sorry. <laughs> like you said, it's an undercoached position, and we know that. But what do you say to those that really want to grow in that position? What do you What do you do? You know, it, let's. I guess Dale Weiler, D Dub, um, is out in the Dakotas, mm-hmm. and I don't imagine that they have a ton of resources out out there. It's, it's my guess. There's not a huge population, so I don't imagine there's a, a plethora of goalkeeper coaches out there. Mm-hmm. So if he has a prospect at 14, 15, whatever age, whatever age, we'll say that in that window, that player, if they're an athlete Mm -hmm. and you've been around enough athletes, you know what composes an athlete, what they can do to to be an athlete, et cetera, the most athletic position on a soccer field is the goalkeeper. They're doing the most with the most part of their body not just their feet, their hands and everything else. And so they're jumping higher in need-based situations, blah, blah, blah. That person should simply immerse themselves as much as they can into their team. Past that, then they're just occasionally looking at getting into a, a camp environment. Yeah. Really. Creating opportunities for yourself. Yeah, it's, it's you know, you've got guys like Sarkey in Chicago, Tiger Goalkeeping Academy Chicago. Um, others down in Chicago as well. I miss plenty up here in Milwaukee. There's not a, a not a ton, but there are week to week to week to week to week goalkeeper programs. Impact Goalkeeper Academy, the Keeper Institute. Was, these are across the country that you can go to on a almost nightly, but weekly basis, and get a ton of training. Mm-hmm. A place like the Dakotas, they probably don't have that. So that player needs to. Think out of the box. Not, it's not necessarily YouTube or making a call or whatever. They, they, they're going to have to leave. They're going to have to you know, get on a plane and go somewhere. and Learn something and bring it back. Yeah, immerse themselves for a week or two or three somewhere. Maybe it's a college ID camp. Maybe it's a camp shutout. Maybe it's a something else. And you know, leave. Erin McKinney at Madison. She left and goes to the Keeper Institute, I don't know how many times a year. Hmm. Um, and she's a goalkeeper up in Madison. She's a current collegian. That's what she does. She's just that focused. Yeah. So. No, I hear you. I mean, so if I kind of summarize the things I'm hearing, you know, it's a challenging position. I think people underestimate how much goes into the position. Um, it's an evolving position. Big time. Very much so. And that, you know, still to this day, we're facing the challenges of coaching, support, and all that stuff. But I would say overall, there's a lot more awareness to what's happening there, and it's a growing thing and I think that's a huge positive to what we're seeing overall yeah you know when you look at the the college situation in particular most of the positions for a GK are the volunteer yep and that simply because of numbers but the reality is it it shouldn't be that way the importance of the position it shouldn't be that way credit to Frankie at Marquette he brought in Aaron Scott yeah he's got a goalkeeper person on staff Penn State wants to do the same thing, among among others. Madison on the on the women's side, uh, with uh, Tim up there. So, anyway, it's uh, it is evolving, as you said. Very true. So oh for fun, oh boy, we're gonna finish with the lightning round of Lord, questions. You're gonna kill me. I know it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, but and you're gonna Stan kill me. Stan has no idea what I'm gonna say. So here we go. What do I gotta do? Just gut instinct response. One word. 
Whatever works for Full you. Full sentence? You can, you can use a few words if you need to. Oh, boy. All right. I'm going to toss you a softball here to start. Okay. Favorite caffeinated beverage? Oh, man. The, the, stamp, <laughs> the Stanta. Grande Stanta. <laughs> it's uh, it's from Starbucks, and it's one pump mocha, one pump uh, white mocha, and one pump peppermint. And if you go to the Racine location and you ask for my man Pax, you can get yourself a Grande Stanta. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. Um, favorite soccer gear brand? Uh, HPG, Storelli, and Hummel. Okay. I can get behind all those three. <laughs> oh, good. So good. So far, so good. Favorite soccer team to watch? Oh, boy. So kind of like more like pro or... Uh, my sons. Um... <laughs> Tank, Bavarian, U16s. Yeah. Uh, Tony is uh, semi-retired, so I'd say that. But if we were to talk uh, college, it's the University of Illinois Chicago Flames. Naturally. What about one you could see on TV somewhere? Yeah. Um, you know, I want the fire to do well. I do. I want the fire to do well. It's a brand new day, I hope, for the Chicago Fire. But the reality is, is right now, I, I'm a major fan of Major League Soccer. Yeah. Notice I didn't say the MLS. That's a major mistake. It's <laughs> just MLS, Major League Soccer. I uh, like LAFC. Yeah. And they is. lost losing Tyler Miller. That's a big. That's a big loss. But at the end of the day, I'd say LAFC. The, everything about LAFC is great. A little black and gold in your outfits there, right? <sighs> big time. Big time. Big time. <clears throat> Next question: Who does your hair? Oh my gosh, <laughs> Lauren, you're killing me. I do. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Stan, there's not a whole lot on top. But I had to give him a hard time. And you know what? I just brought, I just bought new clippers, and these <laughs> clippers are fantastic. So I'm glad to hear that. Yes, I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Favorite sports medicine professional? You. Okay, just wanted to make clearly sure. you, clearly 100 percent you. <laughs> Those listening at home, my son comes here for his injuries. Yeah. We live 30 plus minutes south, but clearly you. I love you, Keith. I love you, Kenny. I love you. Some of the other goofballs that Mark Cole, you guys are all awesome, but you are not even as close to as cute as Lauren <laughs> or as professional as the, the lady I'm sitting across from that has a gun to me. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, turning it up a notch, most impactful person on your career? Most impactful person my career. Boy, I would have a lot, mm -hmm. okay? I really would have a lot. I'm going to answer first this and see if it's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Chris Dadian. Oh. Chris was the first goalkeeper that I recruited, mm -hmm. and we still work together, together to this day, as you know. And we've maintained a phenomenal relationship. So that is important to me to have a relationship with all the players I ever coached or recruited. But I'd say him. From a coaching perspective, I'd say it's Gerardo Pignani. Mm -hmm. I could go to Brendan Eitz. I could go to John Trask. I could go to Sean Phillips. And I, could, yeah, I could go on and on and on. Yeah. Um, but Gerardo brought me into Fremd in 93, and that kind of started it all. Yeah. So when I, when I think about somebody that maybe got me into coaching, you know, quote, unquote, full-time, Gerardo Pignani. Player, former player, Dadian. Very interesting. I like it. I like it. I so, like this speed round. Okay. Last question. Oh, boy. Okay. If you could give the younger version of you one piece of advice, 
now knowing what you know, what would it be? Okay, now knowing what I now know just overall, life? Life, playing, coaching, whatever you'd like. One shot. What would you give your the younger version of you some advice on? Um, okay, can I give multi-layers to this? Sure. They all come to mind. So. Okay. Number one is stay fit, save money. I, that's Tony's advice. I've given that to Tony. Lauren knows my son Tony and my son Tank. Tony's advice from day one from me has been stay fit, save money. Mm-hmm. So I would give that to myself. Yeah. All right. I would do it. You may a, have had a few injuries along the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Things that I'm dealing with today that Lauren was smart enough to tell me that I'd be dealing with them today a decade plus ago. Um, that's one. Uh, number two, I would say from a, um, a career perspective, move when it's right, move when it's right. Um, when you feel it in your gut, no matter what you're doing in life, it's time to do it, move when it's right and be the one that's on the forefront of that, um, as opposed to anything else. So those would probably be my two things. I like it. Well, thank you, Stan, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And thank you to all of those who have taken the time to listen to this episode. We look forward to having you back for our next. If you ever have any questions about Camp Shutout, you can go to campshutout.com. You can always contact Stan through their website as well. He always fields player questions and things like that because he is definitely one person to give back to the goalkeeping community all the time. So, again, campshutout.com. And we look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new that will help you achieve your goals. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram and search MKE Sports Podcast. Like, follow, or comment on today's episode. If you have questions, comments, topics, or guest suggestions, reach out through that Instagram account. Your feedback will help us make this podcast as relevant and informative as possible. If you have additional time, we'd appreciate your help in spreading this information. If you could head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, it will help us spread the word to more athletes in the greater Milwaukee area. Have a great day, and we will see you next time.